Hello and welcome to the 126th episode of The Sausage Factory, brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what the influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Aero by Madfellows Games. Paul! Hi. Who are you, and what do you do? I'm Paul Norris. I'm the creative director at Madfellows Games. And how did you make start you know, making your flashy lighty video games? Well, uh, we're essentially we're a two-man team at the moment. Um, right. We had an artist join us for about a year of development to help out. Okay. Um, but myself and Dan... Um, who's the programmer we've worked together for about it must be 15 years um on sort of different triple a games at different places to 2002 that's that's a, that's yeah. quite yeah yeah that's that's quite a, a heady period isn't it that's like xbox original xbox years it was it? yeah and yeah the, and the ps2 years and the gamecube years yeah. it is yeah i think when i first um started at Codemasters, we were just getting um, the dev kits in for PS2 and the original Xbox. Um, yeah, so I think the first game I worked on um, with Codemasters was Race Driver. So yeah, it was PS2 and Xbox. And how did you make start making games personally? I mean, how far back uh, did it start with you doing some strange images on a on a ZX Spectrum or what? How, how did it all work I, out for I you? think I've got the, the least um, standard kind of path into games of anyone. Um, I started out um, as an engraver, believe it or not, when I left school. Okay. Um, and from there, I was always a musician. So uh, my band got signed um, and I was a tattoo artist. So not the most standard kind of entry into games, but I've always absolutely loved games, I think. Right. Any any type of game or just video games? Because I'm a big fan of tabletop games as well. And I've like, actually yeah. supported a stack of tabletop games, but that's a, that's well, just, a story. discussion for another time, yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, no, video games. Um, yeah, I mean, ever since my, my neighbour had a, an Atari 2600 when I was really little, and ever since then, it's it's been it's been kind of like I don't know. It's like a, a, always been an obsession. Like um, I think the same with uh, the tattooing. It's it's trying a, trying to push your artwork to something new. I always felt like I drew a picture, and I wanted to do something else with it. It wasn't enough. So um, I messed around with animation for a bit, but then tattooing seemed to be like a nice sort of progression of artwork. And I always, I always wanted to make video games. I used to play Tomb Raider and sit there looking at it thinking I could paint those textures, but I had no idea um, how to go about that. I, I didn't get my first computer that wasn't a console um, until about a year before I started in games. Wow. What was um, that? Was it a PC? Was it? Was it was or? a PC, yeah. Okay. Um, right. Do you remember when the, uh, it was all like Time and Tiny? And oh, I remember those, yeah. I got, yeah, I, I like got a, a gateway about that time, which is probably the best yeah. bet. 
because they were That's amazing. It. They could take a tank hit in them. But yeah, yeah, yeah like a, uh, they, I think they came when when you first got them in like a yellowed plastic colour, <laughs> ugly things. Yes. But yeah, that was yeah. the first one I had, um, and I bought that because I decided that. Um, the music industry hadn't kind of worked out how I expected it to. Once we got a record deal, it wasn't exactly what I'd kind of hoped it was. Right. So, yeah, um, I had to sort of turn around to my mum and say, I'm not going to do that silly thing anymore. I'm going to make video games instead. Um, <laughs> with, with no no, um, no background in it or anything. So, um, yeah, I, I just... I got hold of anyone I could that might be able to, to help get me started. Um, and it was a bit different at the time. The internet wasn't as kind of established. There wasn't all your game developers. There wasn't like unity and that sort of thing. And I kind of got the unanimous reply that I'd need to get a degree and I'd need to go, um, and get some kind of degree in something. And that, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to make games and, you know, I think that sort of education wasn't, it, it just didn't seem like the sort of, the way I do things. And it didn't exist back then anyway. Not, no, not, the, no. I mean, I'm not sure how you feel about the courses that exist now, but, you know, it's a different environment now. It is. It's, it's actually a career path. There, there's yeah. kind of a, I think I I got on before there was like a, an accepted kind of path through it, but um, I know at Codemasters they required a degree before they'd interview you, but it didn't matter what it was in, which seemed bizarre. Um, yeah, and that that was kind of the thing at the time. Um, so yeah, I I ended up I went to Waterstones and I bought a book on 3D Studio Max and I worked through it like a textbook. Um, so I'd like work in the daytime, um, my day job, just doing whatever like warehouse stuff and driving for a while and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And then I'd get home and I'd just work through this and I wouldn't proceed to the next chapter until I fully understood the one I'd just done and I had like my notes and I worked through that. And I joined an online forum, and after a while, someone offered me a job after three months in architectural visualisation. Okay. And they said, you know, you've come a long way in three months. We're literally going to give you this job, throw you in, and see if you can handle it. And, yeah, it was a proper trial by fire, but, yeah, I did that for a while. If you got that uh, flair for actually seeing things in three dimensions on a two D plane or two D vision, you know, I thought I know I know you know this, but I just wanted to tease it out of you so you know that's what your evolution was like because that's a skill. That's, that's it's, you know. it's a strange one, isn't it? Some people really struggle with that, like viewports and viewing things from different angles. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a couple of like um, quizzes in magazines that show you things from different different viewpoints and asking you which one is the you know the actual object what shape is this representing and it it, it just i can just see that I yeah don't, it just I pops don't, out of the page like well of course it's that what, what else yeah. would it be uh, yeah i mean i i got an interview eventually I, I had a few interviews around places and um it was the codemasters one i was really excited about because i fan of their games and I've played their stuff it was Colin just called cool. Rally it was amazing yeah exactly yeah. exactly um, so but the interview process there 
it's about four hours long and it's brilliant because for the first time all the stuff that I like picked up and the stuff that I didn't think was any use to me was suddenly important to this interview there was like showing you the the logos of um just any different companies and showing like video game companies and saying you know whose whose logos this and what characters this and what consoles this wow and I was like this is amazing yeah because at the time I heard of stories like people saying um so if you haven't played a certain game or finished a certain game um, they wouldn't let you in, like, uh, or even entertain interviewing you. Chrono Trigger was the game that people would say, yeah. Yeah, you had to, yeah, you had to finish Chrono Trigger. Now, I can see a point there. It's an amazing game, but yeah. <laughs> it's Chrono Trigger, really? But, oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, but I came out of that thinking, you know, I, I really enjoyed that interview. I was terrified about it beforehand, and they were like, draw a picture. Yeah. You've got some time to draw. Here's some reference. Draw a picture. Yeah. And uh, I didn't have the degree, so no. I didn't expect to get it. Um, but they phoned me before I'd even got home and said, you know, we really want to hire you. So that was my first wow. like, games job. I think I hit a lucky time where people were thinking maybe um, all of the people that have been through like programming courses, maybe they're not um, – maybe we need to get people that have got there, – there was a, a kind of a buzz – phrase at the time about um that you can teach anyone to use software but you can't teach people to be creative and i think i just lucked out on when that was going around yes because through 3d studio max and other tools were that they are a a tool they are a brush if but it all depends on how people can wield said tool um and yeah i I think yeah someone could know all the buttons in there and all the shortcuts and things but yeah, it can they amount. produce anything other than a brick? Not really. <laughs> yeah, you know, might be a very nice brick with lots of shading, but that's not the point. It's still a brick, no. you know. And it's all about you know for you to sit there and play Tomb Raider, which I remember playing on my my PC because I had a 3DFX Voodoo card, so it made it look amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even remember those, but they were just amazing. Like it's just like everyone's going, please do because it does frustrate me. Like when people say Tomb Raider was a PlayStation game, go no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was a- no, I, to me, to me, it was unfortunately. Like I say, I, I didn't get a PC till after that, and no, no. blown away how well things I didn't, I didn't know computers could do games as well as my console did at the time. Well, actually, better, um, but yes, yeah, especially because yeah. the 3D Voodoo, the Voodoo Two card, or the Voodoo cards, or the 3DFX cards, as they were mm. back then. Just turned Tomb Raider into something completely different. It was just like, yeah. oh my god! I, so I played through them again when I got a PC. Yeah, so what's for me? That was that's that's for me. And to to hear you're an artist and you're focusing on, oh, look at that texture. I could do a better job of that. Maybe you said that, or maybe I could do that. I don't I know. Think it's yeah. I I could do that. Right. I, I I like the. I've always been kind of in awe of all that stuff, yeah. but I I liked the. Um, the constraints of it, the trying to create something with less polygons and, you know, cleverly reusing bits of texture and, and that sort of thing. Um, I really liked that kind of era of game development where you had like a poly budget and you were painting things onto onto textures and things. I, I was kind of going more into the audio and design side when ZBrush and that sort of thing came out. Right. It's- so really high poly stuff. I just caught the end of... Um, 
normal maps and that sort of thing. That's that's where it was all going. Yeah, and now economies, uh, I may be wrong about this, you may disagree, but I do feel that many a times that economies are, um, for, uh, are self-imposed. They're not economies because technology doesn't allow you to do something. You just do it because otherwise you'll be making that game for 20 years. Yeah, there's endless amounts of assets you can create. I, like, if I play The Witcher and I walk around looking at all the stuff that people have made and thinking, there's, I, I know how much time's in all those props. I've sat and built things like that, and it's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. But it's every blade of grass. I know it's yeah. an old adage, but when it comes to Witcher, my, my, when it, Witcher 3 specifically, I always have that vision of him on the horse, you know, Garrett on the horse, and looking across a, a vast landscape. And that's yeah. what happens a lot in that game. You take it for granted a little bit when you're playing it. I know you wouldn't, but when, you, when you're playing through it, it's just like, oh, look, another landscape. But, like, someone spent a very, I know. very, very, very long time making that a reality and it looks so convincing um although it is a bit distorting in some cases because it's supposed to be because it's not our world very clever um yeah. i'm not sure if you noticed it but there's some distortions of trees and some it doesn't doesn't look quite right it's nicely you know? sort of stylized they've, yeah. they've used that artistic license really nicely because it's to another, make it look kind of better than it's another world why not why not yeah you don't have to follow our our rules because it's another world so yeah, Aero takes a very, very, very different route to that. Yeah. Uh, so you made your way through Codemasters, worked there for, for many, a number of years, um, yeah. seeing all sorts of evolutions. I mean, seeing two, three, maybe, maybe three generations of consoles go through. And, you know, I've, I found the, the Xbox One, the Xbox original, and the, and the sorry, Kim Core Xbox One, the original Xbox, and that era quite fascinating because I was very much around, this is when I first started commentating on video games back then. I went to the, the press launch for the, for the PS2 in, at E3. Uh, I remember being there. Now it's considered a retro console. Like, that's mind-blowing! Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was there when it was launched and now people were saying it's a, con- it's a retro console. Like, Really? Oh yeah, okay, but it is, it is, it is. So I've, I've seen games I've worked on in retro sections. I, I've a very good friend of mine actually that runs a lot of, um, you know, the areas at uh, EGX and oh yeah, uh, Play Expo, the, the play, the play company. Yeah, yeah. There's they're called RetroGen, and oh, they okay. they run tables full of of old games, and they're they're DJ Hero there, and <laughs> it's like. Is DJ Hero a retro game now? It's, uh, well, I, I, people, I it. yeah, people say, well, I don't make 360 anymore, so it's a retro console. Get out. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, no. Oh, wait, it is. Oh, God, please yeah. make it stop. So, as a creator, as we've established that you are very much one of those, and this question is very hard to answer, and I'm going to pitch it, and then I'm going to give it some, you know, build-up to understand what I'm trying to get at. What do you believe is your biggest influence Um, that is a that is a tough one. It is. Um, so I want me to help you a little bit. It's just that what do you find you orbit, whether you like it or not, so it keeps on creeping in, and it's that the one thing. It can be anything. It could be a more anomalous, like you know, other games, is a common answer, or some piece of literature that you've glommed onto and you can't let go of. Something. What's the thing that gets you? It obviously inspires you to do. To, there's to, there's to, a lot of 
of games that have had a really big impact on me and it does come back and you you know um i mean res is obviously one of them that was a the first sort of thing where I had headphones on and it was it was an experience rather than a game. It wasn't about clocking up score. I don't even know what my scores were in res. No, I just wanted to get an area five. That's yeah, all I cared yeah. about. It got really difficult. Yeah. Um, um I've actually played it recently on the Dreamcast which still functions. Um I still have my Dreamcast copy and I actually streamed it about fifth three or four months ago and yeah. uh, to play it. I said yeah, well Resident has come out on the PSVR let's have a go at it uh, now and I just streamed it over the over Twitch and uh, people reacted really well like wow he's playing Res on the Dreamcast and I actually had the pad and I showed them the pad and stuff and it's just it's it's, it's still an amazing game the PSVR version is so much better so much better uh, but it's, it's, it lends yeah. itself to that. I, I know he had a word that he used to use. I can't remember what it was that that was to describe the fact that it was all the audio and the visuals all coming together. Mm. Yeah, he created a word for it. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's it's an amazing thing. I mean, I like Child of Eden as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I agree. That's uh... all, all but then. Um, Things like Parappa the Rapper as well. Yeah. Um, just from a, just its character. Yeah. Um, and I love all that sort of thing. And like, have you played Guitar Room, man? I've played neither. I know. I know. It's very bad. I feel bad about myself. I'm already ashamed. <laughs> um, <laughs> Give it a play. I mean, that, that's. Yeah, I really need to fix that. Because uh, a friend of mine just introduced me to Bust a Move too. Oh yeah, because yeah, I never played it. Yeah. I never had it, and I was at a retro video game store uh, at, uh, late last year, and there it was for a fiver. I went, well, that's a bargain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. There was, that had, there was there was one that had a peripheral as well, and oh. um, like like a DJ hero sort of thing. Yeah, was it was way beat before mix, it. wasn't it? It was like a little like turntable thing of a keyboard. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I... yeah, I never played that. But I'll be on eBay after this, yeah. trying to. <laughs> Yeah, sorry everyone. This this show's really expensive. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but uh, I, yeah. I, as far as things that I, it's, I think it's a lot of things. I I do like me and my friends online. We've sort of said that if our life flashes before us, it's going to have a mini map in the corner because we've just we played like the amount of hours we've put into games is. It's it's pretty terrifying. Let's not think about it. I, I think it's last time I did that. No, I did um, I did played when I when I used to play WoW back in the day, and that yeah I, yeah that's one of the reasons I stopped. That's when I did that. I went okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've put a lot of time into Ark recently. We've just gone back to oh, it. Oh right, we've it's um, amazing. They've been it's on just... the show. Lovely people. Lovely people. Yeah, really yeah. studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You listen yeah. to past shows. It's just lovely, lovely people. A lot, a lot of time for that game. Yeah, yeah. We've we've put so much, so much time into it. I think it's because both that and Daisy as well did something. Because like we, we've all like me and my mates that used to sit round and play Halo System Link. Oh God, yeah. We, we've all kind of like moved around. We've got kids now and and whatever. But we catch up on Xbox Live. Yeah, and. I found that Daisy and Ark did something that 
we hadn't really seen before where your stuff is really valuable to you it's important and um if, if you've walked around for kind of a few days in day z and collected up some decent stuff and then someone shoots a shot at you it's terrifying and you you all sort of scatter and duck under things but it's because it's given the things you've earned in that game a value it's extraordinary value you, yeah. you are going to keep that band of, the tin of baked beans. You're never going to eat them. No. <laughs> exactly. You're just going to keep them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to eat them. No. You're just going to keep them. And you find with Ark as well that, like, some of those dinosaurs that you tame, it's it's taken days, and we've had to do it in shifts. Right. And it's like a friend will come on, and you'll go, right, all, you know, all this, um, the sedatives are there, and all the berries are there, and this is all there. You've got to tame that dinosaur, and this is how far I've got with it, and... And, I mean, we played it before they reset the servers when it was, like, really early access. So there was always going to be this day when they just shut it down. Right. But, so we stopped playing it about a month before that because we knew it was coming sort of thing. and went off and played Destiny or whatever. But my friend Matt, he went back in every day to feed the dinosaurs because he just couldn't bear the thought of them like wasting away no. because we spent so much, so much time finding them and taming them. And I think that sort of thing is really powerful, especially with VR coming out as well. The, the fact that we're getting things that are legitimately valuable to us in a virtual world. And I know there's still a lot of people that, that can't, see that they can't see why their kids are upset if if they lose all their stuff in minecraft yeah there's other parents and they're like i can't believe he was crying because someone took his diamond pick and i'm like yeah that's fair enough that's taken a while to get hold of that so you know and i think that's the most interesting thing to me now the the cold-hearted vulcan side of me saying it's this code it's a problem this code exactly but then (laughs) i mean your favorite movie's just just on a dvd i mean where is it now it's not yeah you know, something you pick up. And I think, especially the games where you're spending time with your friends and you've got stories about how you built stuff yeah. and that funny time when so-and-so said that and fell down a hole and, I think, you know. yeah, I mean, my personal, personal funniest memory of games, video games, period, was from World of Warcraft. When it first started and there was a bug, which we didn't know mm. and we just sort of realised that we're, you know, the, the, you can summon people through a portal. If you, yeah. if you had certain character class, a warlock could summon people. So we were standing at the edge of a cliff. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see where that's going. Yeah. So, okay. Summon, uh, summon Bio. There's his name. I won't say his full name. So, all right. Okay. And he just went, hang on. That's a bit. <laughs> Wait. No. Bio, don't go. No. And he just. <laughs> See, I, I got caught out with um you know when you started having the i think it was halo did it first where you could record whole games oh and i used to have all these things i used to wind my friends up and it was just to make myself giggle right but then they started spotting it because they'd recorded it like i remember you know when you split up in a co-op game yes don't split the party but I'd, yeah <laughs> yeah, I'd go one way and I could hear them like there, there's loads of baddies all over them and I'd be there going, oh, it's terrible this way as well. They're all over me. I can't, you know, they're everywhere and there'd be nothing in my end. 
<laughs> and I caught out in ODST because I, was, I kept shooting my friend in the back of his head and saying that there must be, still be enemies down there. They're down the end of the street down there. You, you can't see it. And every time he turned around and put a bullet in the back of his head, he turned back around going, there is something. I know there's still... And he watched the video. Right. And he then spent about an hour going back through all the things where it had been a bit mysterious, asking me whether that actually happened or whether it was me on the wind-up. Yeah, I'm a terrible, terrible partner. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, for me, Ghost Recon, it was um, just uh, a friend of mine who's sort of like, light a fire! Oh, damn it. from you. And the answer to my question is, it's just the experiences. You know, these, 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 yeah, what, it's, what you it's... get, the experience you get from games, that's what drives yeah. you because you want to recreate that. You want to give that to someone else. You want to make that experience. And clearly you've been doing that for all your career, but uh, this is what uh, brought about you know, the, the first big milestone yeah. I had was when I bought a game home that I'd made, which was, do you know what? With Race Driver 1, it didn't actually work out like that. But Race Driver 2, I bought that game home and my friends that I'd usually sit around playing with, stop what they were playing, which was Splinter Cell, I think, right. to play the game I'd made. Wow. And we all sat around playing it, trying to get better times than each other. And, you know, yeah. that was what I've been going for, is I, I'd, I'd made one of the games. And then, that, do you know what? At the time, I only really thought about bringing those games home and having the people I knew play them. Yeah, yeah. Which is a, I know it's a bad sort of... Um, angle for a game designer but that's what I wanted to, I just wanted to make the games that, that we played and that was a big kind of um, achievement for me to have the game that I'd made that they weren't playing it to um, like the first one they'd, they'd played it a bit to kind of you know because they should do because I'd made it but this one they were really enjoying it and I think that's that's what it is I I yeah, you're right. It's the experiences. It's the, um, yeah, exactly that. I think it's just, yeah, definitely. If yeah. you wanted to share your your creation with others, and you want to also recreate the experiences you've had in the same kind of endorphin, you know, whatever thing you get yeah. through your head. Like, yeah, I want to, I want to make this too. I want to, I want to, you know, get people riled up like this too. And you're, you know, winding people up as part of that. It was part of that yeah. drive. So, I, yeah. I'm one of these people that, like my PSVR, I've spent about 1% of the time in it that I've I've spent the rest putting other people in it. Yeah. Do you know That's what I mean? Me, they then. come around. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, you know, I'll go in here, go in the Shark Tank, watching their reaction. I, I, I've shown the X-Wing game now. Like, go on, have, play, play next week. I haven't got it yet. Oh, I've heard about it. I can't believe I haven't got it. You can turn around and look at the droid and everything, you, can't you? The thing is, you look down at the X-Wing, you look down at the cockpit, and you go, I'm not getting this. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's junk. They made those things out of, like, bits of junk. Like, I'm not yeah. flying this. Like, get in. I'm not getting this. <laughs> Oh, no wonder Luke bloody needed the force to fly it. Jesus. That's one of the, it's, actually, it's got junk on the floor. It's just junk. It's like, I'm not flying this. No way. Oh, I can't wait to try that. <laughs> but yeah, it's awesome. And every, oh, I play X-Wing sort of like the, the tabletop game. And I said, do you want to right. fly one? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, the next question, I think I know the answer to this one based on what you said previously, but what developer do you most admire in an industry and why? 
Um, I was a huge fan of Bungie. All oh, right. Um, was is because <laughs> I I um it's a tough one. I I I love Destiny. Yeah. I don't. I uh, I uh, Halo was a huge thing for me. Like we we played Halo for ages, yeah. and it was just the fact that we we try and blow warthogs over cliffs and. You know, just sitting and looking at all the detail and listening to the rocks fall around you when things exploded, and it felt like a really compelling, um, believable world. Right. And then when you had all their online stuff about they had their, um, was it a seven-point plan to take over the world? And they had all their community, and um, they used to wind people up by writing things on whiteboards when they knew journalists were going to go past, and... It was just the whole thing. I really loved them. Um, and, I mean, I, I worked for Activision for a bit. Um, and I, I, when Activision uh, merged with Bungie or whatever they did, bought them out, whatever kind of it was, ish. I felt like Destiny was going to be this amazing thing. And it turned into kind of... It had all them things that were fashionable at the time, like um, like gameplay loops. And ways to get you hooked into grinding to just do micro. Yeah, it was actions. it was new game plus 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 plus. Yeah, but <laughs> that's I, what I, call I, it. I do love it. I can't. I can't. Yeah. I don't like this. I put hours into it, but it's weird. I had never. I just never. I've got it. I just never really. This is a man who plays Diablo. <laughs> yeah, or played all three Diablos. Like, and yeah, you know, I just can't. It's like with bad, you know, with um, no, what's it called? God, the one you said the, the there's the um, oh the the other game where you have shooting and lots of numbers flying from um, bodies. Uh, Fallout? No, not Fallout. Fallout's good though, but yeah, it's a good 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 example. I was thinking more of the uh, um, Gearbox games. Um, oh, uh, Borderlands. Borderlands. There you go. Couldn't get into that either. Never finished Borderlands. Oh. Tried over and over. Like I just can't. Well, yeah, we got totally hooked on that. Yeah. And caught up on that until we were sort of... It's those games, there's only some of them you can do it where you just replay the same level over and over again. You go yeah. in knowing you're going to play the same level over and over again. Yeah. Because you might get an extra couple of numbers on your gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, look, a purple. It's crap, Yeah, I, I, I can't, like, Destiny, well, I'm maxed out. I'm sort of, like, level 400, and I thought, right. well, I'm, nev- I'm never going to do another character, and then I ended up doing another character. Wow. So I've got like two of them up to four hundred. So I, you know, so I do, I do love Bungie for that. But I think three four three did a great job of Halo, of sort of taking over the reins and, and keeping it fresh. Like I thought four and five were, you know, amazing. But yeah, Bungie just because they were this, they were huge but independent. Yeah, because I remember them back in the marathon days. I've said I'm old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the Myth because they did Myth one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one talks about those two games, but they're awesome. Um, yeah. Really, really tough RTS games or squad-based sort of strategy games. You know, if you can find it, I think they're on good old games. Amazing. Yeah, no, I, I think I, amazing. I think I've got Marathon, but yeah. um, Halo started out as an RTS, didn't it? Yes, it did. Well, no, in fact, yeah. it was an RTS. The Mac. Yeah, Mac RTS. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, I, I, I really like them. And then I love Double Fine. Yeah. Age was a fun, fun game. Very funny. Um, Psychonauts. Yeah, Psychonauts cool. Yes. Oh, God. 
Day of the Tentacle and um, all of that stuff. Um, and just, I think Tim Schafer's really fun. Oh, brutal legend. I don't know. Was it? I mean, I loved it. I, I loved my rock music and stuff. And okay, me too. I mean, Tenacious D and stuff. Love. Yeah. You know, awesome. Just things like when you saw the 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 cliff face of Marshall Amps. Kind of <laughs> distance. True. And, you know, just sort of devil horn hands popping out the floor and things. It was just... Oh, and Lemmy was in it. So He was, bless him. Yeah, he so I, I love yeah. Brutal Legend. Um, and, yeah, I, I think, again, it's just because of their whole sort of thing, like their, their attitude. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Bungie and uh, Double Fine. Cool. So, finally, um, this last question for the first half is kind of legally required to ask it because we're talking about video games on a podcast. Mm. So I have to ask what you're playing right now. Uh, I've gone back to playing Ark. I was playing Destiny. Oh, right. Okay. Um, maxing out my second character. And we've gone back to playing Ark, which... Do you have the expansion? Is, uh, no, we don't yet. Um, we've, it's, we've only sort of a couple of days in. We're kind of dipping our toes in to see whether we're going to go back into it because we initially played it um, like early access um, on the Xbox, mm. and they eventually deleted the servers, so we were sort of put back to the start. Right, just so kind of dipping our toes back into that. But um, you know, I played that. I played Crashlands recently on mobile. Put a fair bit of time into that. What's that? I don't, don't, do not Crashlands. Know that one. Yeah, it's um, it's like a classic kind of RPG, but it's it's all full of humour. It's a bit kind of like double fine sort of humour. Okay. Um, it's about two ninety nine, three pound on iOS. And this is on mobile. Wow. Yeah, it's really, really good. Really good. That's nuts. Um, so Crashlands. What's it about? Yeah. Um, you, you, it's got everything in it. You do sort of crafting. You build your base. You're like a, I think you're a space delivery man, and you've got something to deliver. And it just keeps getting increasingly more difficult to get these packages delivered. So you end up sort of building <laughs> a base and taming animals that you've got with you and wow it's it's very cool it's it's like a fully featured rpg but in 2d on mobile it's really good fun all right i'll i'll pick that um, up I, I do love to uh tap away at my phone no matter times i open the phone and go oh it's, it's threes okay <laughs> threes i play threes i mean I've, i still can't beat my thirty-five thousand or whatever it was but yeah i've, I've put a fair bit of time into threes <laughs> I think most of us uh, have this this point. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, like, oh look, there we go. Oh, there's a, no. Come on, I was almost had it. Like, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, well, it's a good selection of games to play. Um, uh, I'm, I'm doing a, a bunch of indie games, and I'm also playing Elite Dangerous uh, on my Xbox. Oh, cool! It's quite fun because I love Elite, and this brings back memories. And the amazing one thing that Frontier have done is give a impression of speed. Uh, you yeah. must appreciate this. Give the sense of speed, but to do that in space is a major feat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, unless you've got things whipping past you. Yeah, it's, it's just. Yeah, but they do get a sense of like, you, d- slow down, slow down. You're gonna crash. Slow- <laughs> well, I, I really love yeah. Elite. Like this yeah. Elite Dangerous. We yeah. just landing was really, really, really <sighs> difficult, but yeah. really fun. They're really satisfying once you did it. Yeah. And for, um, Finding my friend, and we kind of did the Top Gun thing, where oh, one right. of us was inverted, and we sort of went, so we parked above each other. <laughs> but just the scope of that game is amazing. Yeah, and the fact that they've got, they did it modular. 
very brave but very intelligent yeah. to say here's the here's the husk and then we're going to bolt things onto it over time and uh, that's where you're going to get a full game rather than uh, waiting 20 years before the game even sees a lot of day yeah it's very brave so, uh, the, the one reason I, I originally started playing that is because I wanted the Norman Lovett uh, sound pack <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's Norman Lovett isn't it Holly so. from Red Dwarf I think that's yes. his name yeah uh, that is. I saw the, the YouTube videos of, of how you could talk to your ship and yeah, your ship yeah, could yeah. back to you as, as Holly from Red Dwarf and yeah. I was like I could get into that, but yeah. I don't think I ever did that on the Xbox. I'm not even sure if it came on the PC, did it? I can't remember. I've, I've, done, I've never delved into it that much. I just, I, I got back into it when they found a Thargoid. So, oh yeah, that happened. I need to, and it's a brilliant, brilliant way of did it. It's just a classic Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke kind of alien <laughs> sort of interaction where they're barely comprehensible as beings. Yeah. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Like, yeah, that's, that's how you it. should do aliens. Not, not you know, plastic on forehead. With, you know, <laughs> yeah. Stick, stick a biro on someone's forehead and they're an alien. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I want, I want that instead. I want barely comprehensible aliens. That's what we want. <laughs> so got alien. Yeah, <laughs> or, or an alien that just eats your face. Um, on that note, we shall bid the first half goodbye, and we'll welcome the second half where we delve deep into Aero. is actually tougher than than you think um it's an on rails music shooter um for want of a better description um it features a, a licensed fully licensed soundtrack um and you, you follow ribbons of light which make up parts of the tracks um and shoot enemies in time with the music that is that's pretty much it and yet it's a game I kept on coming back to when I went to first encountered it 
in uh, EGX 2015, um, which I think was in, was his first time I went into Birmingham. I think it was, yeah. But I kept on dragging my friends along to it. You need to play this game, and uh, and they 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 did uh, they did enjoy it greatly. Um, so, like I said, it's an on-rail shooter. I don't like calling it that because I think it's way more to it than that. But there's a nice shorthand to it. In a similar vein to Res, but also Panzer Dragoon, if you're familiar with that, and other games of similar ilk. It's not a bad thing because it looks glorious. But there's something else that we haven't really discussed, and I want to ask you my first design question. There's a bit of haptic feedback. Is that the right word? Going yeah. on. Uh, and it adds to the experience of playing Aero. How important is that I, to the experience and how have you optimised it well the um, it's, it's, it's kind of vital to the game um, if I think like when we've sent out preview builds and things and when other people have played it that's the one thing I'm really concerned about is that they're going to put it on a pad that hasn't got rumble or it's not going to work with it or mm-hmm. Because it's it is kind of pivotal. I think it's um, it's very close to sound, obviously being vibrations. And I really wanted this. Like I think the main hook of Aero is how the ribbons feel, and I wanted this kind of um, really kind of visceral, like like an oxyacetylene torch, or um, it needed to be really obvious that you were achieving something by hitting these ribbons so we've got like way over the top sparks and um big bright lights and they're tied to the most um obvious parts of the song and then if you stray from them you lose that part of the song so you've got the visual and the sound and also this vibration feedback yeah Um, it's I, that's what struck me when I first played it was two things that struck me the, the music which is incredible but also the 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 fact that when you hit that beam uh, which is spiraling by the way so the, the, the perception isn't side on it's a, the first person if you put off the, it's third person but behind the ship that you're controlling and you're and this this you have this basically this line that spirals around sometimes but just stays on one part or it moves around and you're encouraged to follow it um by very if you do it you get rewarded both visually audibly and also in your hands (laughs) yeah it's it's um there was a few sort of design challenges that didn't I, i really didn't expect um because I knew what I was designing, um, we tend to do, as being such a small team, we have to get, um, we, we try and optimise everything. Like, if I, if I can work it out on paper before I get Dan to actually code anything, then I'll do that. So I had a really good idea of what it was going to be. Right. But when other people played it, they didn't want to touch the ribbons because they had this kind of rumble strip thing from driving games built in if they felt this thing rumble and make a noise they were shying away from it oh it was a series of really subtle things to kind of reverse that like we had um uh, there was a tiny bit of red on the hud when you hit it and the combination of red and rumble and all these things kind of pushed you away from it 
and uh, so there was some really interesting kind of design things to to make people understand that they needed to be on the ribbons and not avoiding them. So, which leads me on to my next question, really, because the when, when I first saw the game, the, the ribbon looks quite different to what it does look now. Um, yeah. So the visual cues, if you will, this has undergone some changes with respect to the beam, um, which the players do need to be near. You know, it's something you need to, in order to maximise your score and that sort of thing, you need to be close to this this beam. And also the music, um, the texture of the music, for want of a better phrase, becomes way more interesting and that's vital, uh, provided you're on that beam. So could you talk us through you know, briefly, how that has evolved over time? Yeah, um, the the thing with it was, uh, the, the first game we did, the mobile game, was very dependent on tapping in time, and it absolutely polarised people. Right. Uh, some people don't want to tap in time. Right. Uh, some people just, it just turns them off it straight away. We're, we're always a bit hesitant to say it's a music game, because there's some people that just shy away from that. We wanted to, it to play like a like a normal arcade game, like a shooter. Right. So we didn't want any kind of mention of beats or bars or, you know, visual sort of clicking. Do you know what I mean? Um, we, we didn't want people to think they had to know or understand music to play it. No, because not everyone does. No, no. And, yeah. you know, it does kind of alienate people. And with our first game, people had come over, realised what it was, and turn away, but we haven't had that with Aero at all. Right, um, no. People seem to, you know, play through the track. Most people that play at events end up playing a few of the tracks, and and that was the big challenge was to try and get this ribbon mechanic to be to give you the feedback and the, the satisfaction of playing like a music game, but without making you tap rigidly in time because it's kind of the opposite feeling that you want you want control of everything you want it, it to feel like it's doing what you want it to not what it's predetermined to you know not this set of instructions it's given you to do and uh, we felt that following some of the more analog elements in the music some of the the sort of flowing um things were, were friendlier to to kind of decipher um right as opposed to like this rigid tapping in time. But the ribbons, um, because you're only seeing them from kind of one view, you're seeing them as they come towards you, it was hard to accurately communicate what shape they were. So what we've got, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's got little beams of like little um, dots of light. Yes. Follow down in front of you. That's the big change for me. It's just that that strange sort of like almost little pips within the yeah, beam. And hopefully they're um, subconsciously showing you which parts are faster. Right. So that they go down the same speed as you do. They're, they're in front of you um, all the time at like a bar in front of you, each one. So when you see these kind of things whip around the ribbons, you'll see them sort of speed up and slow down ahead of you. Right. And it gives you um, an extra kind of perception of what shape these are. Um, because if you look at something head on it's, and it's cylindrical, the, the subtlety of those shapes is kind of 
it's hard to determine. But that extra little dot and the speed it moves around it seems to communicate the shape a lot better. And it was a bit of a, a bit of a eureka moment. Right. Yeah, that, that certainly helped. It certainly helped um, me understand when I first when I first played it that those pips didn't exist. I still had mm. a good time with the game, but when I played it second time, it was I, was I was much better at it because I had a better understanding of what was more rapid versus others, and also yeah. how difficult it was to. Because I found myself basically rotating the thumbstick around to actually yeah. to swing around because. That's not immediately obvious, but it's just something I knew from muscle memory from other similar games. Like, well, you just rotate like Tempest, surely. <laughs> yeah, that's it. it, it that's, that's the... It's, it's kind of strange, because people that remember Tempest and yeah. that sort of... They, they recognise it quite quickly. Yeah. Young people, like, sort of under 12, yeah. they never need it explaining to them. They just pick it up and do it. But there's a middle kind of ground where there must have been... Um, like a, a swathe of games that, that taught people not to go near the edge. So it takes a, if, if someone gets past that initial thing where they're trying to balance the stick, yeah, and they get used to the fact they can put it right around the extent of the stick without yeah. crashing. Yeah. Then that's usually the, the turning point. Yeah. It's like, uh, I call it the circle strafing <laughs> effect. Yeah. Once you figure yeah. that circle strafing on a, on a using a, the, the controller, you're laughing. That's, that's, yeah. I managed that with GoldenEye, so that was it. That was the end of me. Like, there you go. I now I can now play FPSs with a controller. Hurrah! Yeah. So well, we put a lot of time into look, looking at um, how people used analog sticks. Yeah. yeah. And we found that balance, like balancing it between the center and the extents, people have got a huge variation in their degree of how accurately they can do that. Right. If you're putting the stick right to the edge yeah. and moving it around, yeah. everyone's ability to follow complicated patterns, as long as it's around the edge, that's what gave us the ability to do quite complicated shapes but yeah. make it accessible. Yeah. So how important yeah. is the rhythm element of the game versus destroying enemies? In that, what I'm trying to say is that there's definitely a link between the two. Yeah. Um, what it does mm. is it never tells you to shoot things in time. Um, but whenever you shoot anything, it will always explode in time. You can shoot your missiles when, whenever you like. Um, but as you um, designate the targets, as you hover the, the reticle over them, they'll always lock in time. So you get little um, tapping sounds, uh, much like Rez, as... It locks on. Then as you fire your missiles, you can fire them whenever you like, and you get kind of the feedback from pulling the trigger and seeing the missiles come out. Right. But their trajectory changes um, so that they always meet the target on a musically like viable beat. Okay. So what that means is you can... If you're if you're playing and you're just shooting whenever you get this this nice effect of like these plumes of missiles coming out and then coming back in, but it gives this uh, kind of longevity to it where if you want to really get high scores and you know challenge the leaderboards, you've got to shoot in time so it shortens the um, your scores based on um, how long your missile trails are. Ah. So if you keep shooting. 
you get better scores. So if you keep your multiplier up, you don't miss any sections of ribbon, you don't take any damage, you keep your multiplier up, and you keep all of the shots as short as you can. So it's essentially hitting them bang on beat. So you get, you'll, you get a straight laser rather than missiles. Okay. Um, so essentially you don't ever have to play it in time. Right. But hopefully as you kind of get better at it and you put sort of more time into it, you'll start doing the shorter shots and it'll all come, it will drag everything back in time for you. But if you start playing it in time, it will score you better for it. The key to my the, the sort of underlying message I'm trying to get home here is that most of the best shooters out there have a rhythm to them anyway. Yeah. And that's you know it just so happens that the music is intrinsic to to uh, Aero, but it's not be all and end all. But it helps no, the player. You got to listen if you can. You listen very hard, and you go actually no. Uh, the best, you know, if I'm going to get the best result is to is to is to lock onto this beat, but don't obsess about it because if you do, you won't be able to do it. <laughs> it's like um, I, I love the uh, mechanic that a lot of shooters are doing now. A lot of first-person shooters where you, the bullets towards the end of your clip sound different to the ones when your clip's full. Oh, okay. So, like Gears of War does it. Um, I think. Call of Duty, pretty much everything does it now. So as you're shooting, it sounds slightly more hollow towards the end of the clip. Okay. Which means you get this kind of rhythm of shooting, reloading, shooting, reloading. Yeah, yeah. Get the best timing out of it. And it's that sort of timing element that isn't necessarily musical. No. But, I mean, the, the reloading Gears of War is, is essentially like a little rhythm mini game. Yes, yeah. And it's, it's trying to get the rewards of... of playing a music game over but in a accessible way mm. um so that it's natural rather than trying to rigidly tap things in time and being punished for not doing it yeah yeah my last question um is related to the music still but it's because it's so it, i believe it's fundamental but you may disagree but the music appears to be uh, i don't like to call it this but as a drum and bass variant with a significant mm-hmm. amount of melody uh, placed yeah. on top of it. How has the music composition impacted on the level design of Aero? Um, all of the levels are designed specifically around each music track. Right. Um, we get asked a lot whether you can put your own songs in it, like Audio Surf, <laughs> um, which, which we can't. No. Um, but we always recognise that there was a... Um, you go, you go one or two ways. You either have a procedural kind of, it plays okay all the time, or you tailor the gameplay perfectly to the song. Yeah. And we've gone for that sort of method. The, the whole game engine thinks in beats and bars. Okay. And everything is placed. Um, the, the ribbons, the enemies, um, the things, uh, the tunnels, the obstacles, everything is placed by MIDI. So, I essentially do my design work from inside a music sequencer. Ah. So I have the the track in there. Right. Have a MIDI. I mean, I I don't know how how universally used MIDI is in game development, but it's essentially just a list of commands for a digital instrument to tell it when to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So 
it works really well. Like like Dan makes tools that I feed MIDI to, and it spits out a game. So um, I'll go through and mark everything up within the music sequencer next to the track. Mm-hmm. So everything is essentially snapped to the beats and to the music. Right. Um, so each track, um, where the track curves and where it dips and um, everything about it is, is built from MIDI next to the music track. So, yeah, it's choosing the music and trying to imagine what the gameplay might be around it was the hardest bit, I think, mm. getting the tracks in the first place. Well, I think you've definitely pulled it off from my experience of it. I'm, uh, I mean, really, really looking forward to when it when it arrives. And, uh, Paul, thank you very, very much for your time. It's been fantastic talking to you about Aero. So, yeah, um, it's out on Xbox One, PS4, and Windows PC. When? Um, we are still looking for uh, to get an, an exact release date, but um, Q1. Yeah, so first quarter of, of, of 2017, yeah. of which we're halfway through. <laughs> yes, yes, we are very soon. So very it's very soon, very soon. Well, once again, Paul, I wish you, you and the rest of your team, the very best of luck in, uh, in, with the release of Aero. And thank you for your time in chatting to us about it today. Anytime, anytime at all. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review and you can also, don't forget, listen to us on stitcher.com. So just go to stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there you just look up the sausage factory and you can find us that'd be great you can follow me on twitter at chris o'regan no apostrophes and uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to the show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com also don't forget to check out the computer game show which is the Stablemate podcast, should we say, of Spong.com. Bye! Tired eyes
I chose.